listening to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. This is Lauren and Shannon, teacher training duo of TefelHorizons.com. Each week, we bring you teaching advice, travel tips, and inspiring stories from around the globe. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Expand Your Horizons, the Temple Horizons podcast. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi. And we are recording in person together in Boston today, which is exciting. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute since we've recorded together. It has, yeah, at least physically in the same place, yeah. Um, so in this week's episode, we are talking basically about skills, teaching language skills. Um, if you've been listening to the recent episodes, you know that we've been talking a lot about how to teach reading, how to teach listening, how to teach writing, and how to teach speaking. Um, So just as a review, uh, those are basically the skills. And we want to distinguish these from other kinds of language lessons. Like the reason we say these are skills is because they're a little bit different, right? It's not like teaching grammar or vocabulary, where the focus is really on, you know, learning these particular words or learning and using this particular grammatical structure. Um, The focus is really just on developing these skills. And so if it helps, you can remember the difference between skills and systems, which is what we call grammar and vocabulary. Um, You can remember the difference because skills are things that we can learn how to do. You can learn how to read. You learn how to write. Um, You never really learn how to grammar, right? It's not a a verb. It's not a skill that you develop. Um, It's really just a set of rules. Systems like grammar and vocabulary are really just sets of rules. You have to learn them. Either you know them or you don't. Um, You use them correctly or you don't. Um, Whereas with the skills, these are things that you can really develop your ability to do. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to do a summary of that today and talk a little bit about what that means for teaching skills lessons. Yeah. Uh, so when we talk about skills lessons, we usually break those do- that down further into two different categories. So uh, we have receptive skills, which are uh, reading and listening, and then productive skills, which are speaking and writing. So let's take those in turn. Receptive skills, uh, reading and listening, are uh, lessons in which the students are receiving information, receptive skills, uh, through a reading text or a listening text, an audio text. Um, so uh, we see uh, students, uh, you know, doing things like uh, we had talked in previous episodes about, uh, you know, how those uh, texts are best if uh, they mirror real life activities. So students might uh, read an article or read an informational brochure or something that like that or listen to a conversation uh the important thing to remember in a receptive skills lesson is that uh students aren't reading or listening without a reason they always have uh tasks in front of them and a good rule of thumb is to give them those tasks those questions before they read and listen so that they have a reason to do those things um, and in that way, you'll see that your receptive uh, tasks are a lot more successful. Um, so, for example, uh, for a reading lesson, um, I know that uh, I, I had this great article from um, a trainer that I worked with back in the day. Um, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but if he does, hi, Amir. Um, he <laughs> gave me an article about a moose. Um, and so the article is that the moose got drunk uh, 
and the first reading task is like look quickly to see how the moose got drunk um and uh so the answer is the moose got drunk eating fermented apples which is um it's a true story it was a, a story in uh sweden denmark I'm sorry, I can't remember where, but yeah. Um, and then the the students go on to answer a series of more um, detailed questions about how the moose got drunk, where the moose got drunk, and what the farmer's reaction was to the drunk moose that <laughs> eventually got stuck in a tree because the poor thing was drunk. Um, oh my gosh. So again, uh, best to give uh, reading or listening tasks when the students are, are doing those um the yeah or, or reading or listening you'll find uh if you've listened to our previous previous episodes that reading and listening lessons follow the same structure uh so uh you know we give a sort of a, a an easier or a more general reading or listening task to begin with um and then in the second reading or listening of the same text we give more specific or more detailed uh, mm-hmm. listening or reading questions so those are receptive skills uh then uh the other uh skills that we talk about are productive skills so the productive skills that we teach are uh speaking and writing uh speaking and writing also follow similar formats so if you've listened to our episodes on those and if you haven't you can go back and listen to them Mm -hmm. i can Um, link to them in the show notes so it's easy to find them perfect um, and speaking and writing, as I said, are productive skills. So the students produce something or are, uh, yeah, are aim to produce something by the end of the lesson. So in a writing lesson, uh, they would aim to produce a specific um, writing text. For example, uh, in the last episode, we talked a lot about writing a travel blog. Mm-hmm. Um, or in a speaking lesson, they speak towards a, a, a common goal as well. So they speak to... Uh, agree or disagree with their partner about uh i don't know uh, a list of things that they might take on a to a deserted island or something like that yeah uh uh, yeah and so uh uh in a productive lesson then the focus is producing that skill um rather than receiving that skill like in a receptive skills lesson exactly yeah um so we've done individual episodes on reading and listening and writing and speaking, which again, you can go back and listen to them if you missed those. Um, And we go into a lot more depth about exactly what those lessons look like and what activities should be included in those lessons to really develop the particular skill that you're aiming to help students improve. Um, But what we want to look at now is certain skills tend to kind of complement each other or fit together in different lessons. So if you listen to our episodes on Uh, teaching a reading lesson or teaching a listening lesson, you'll probably remember that at the end of a receptive skills lesson, we tend to have students do what we call a productive task. Um, So that can be a bit strange because you might think at first, well, this is a receptive skills lesson. You know, what is a productive task doing at the end? Um, But this is actually a really nice way to kind of balance students' skills development. It's It's a nice way to sort of balance the focus of the lesson. So at the end of a receptive skills lesson, you know, after you've you've really made the students take in and receive a bunch of language on, you know, whatever the audio text is or whatever the written text is, it's really nice to then give the students a chance to respond to that um, in a productive way. Much like we might in real life. Again, if you read something, um, you might want to go talk about it or Mm -hmm. 
if you listen to something, you know, you might have some sort of written response. You might write an email about it to someone. Who knows? Um, So basically, those tend to go together. We tend to have either a speaking or a writing task at the end of a reading or listening lesson. And how you choose that task can very much depend on whatever the audio or the written text was. Um, So, you know, if you've had students read this article about the drunk moose, um, you can think about what a logical productive task might be or what a sort of complementary productive task might be. Um, For example, you know, maybe you have the students write a letter to the newspaper um, with their suggestions on what to do about the city's drunk moose problem or something. Um, Or it could just be a discussion. Uh, You could give them some discussion questions about... I don't know. Other the, drunk wildlife? No, the, the <laughs> trainer that I that I borrowed this lesson from had the best productive task at the end. He said, okay, now you're going to write a journal entry from the moose's perspective. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. So you can see from that example, you can really get creative with these. Um, but it tends to be a lot of fun, and it's really nice for students, not just to get to practice this other kind of skill, but also to really get to respond in a fun, creative way to whatever you've just made them, you know, take in for the entirety of the lesson up to that point. Um, So those tend to go together. Uh, What else, Lauren, are sort of complementary pairs of skills? So uh, in uh, comparison to like, Shannon was just talking about a receptive skills lesson, where like the the thing at the end of the lesson is a a kind of response to, or somehow connected to, right? The the receptive skills lesson that they've done before. So in the moose lesson, right, they've they've read the moose article and they react to it some way in the productive skill at the end, like in a journal entry. Um, in a writing or a speaking lesson, so productive skills lessons, you know, those lessons are standalone lessons. So they're very often not reacting to a receptive skills lesson that they've done um, before that, right? So they're not reacting maybe to a full article, and they're not reacting maybe to a listing that they've done. But there are some elements in those lessons of receptive um, skills, right? So practicing those skills, but just not in an entire lesson. So if that sounds confusing, I'll give you an example. Let's imagine that uh, we're doing that writing lesson that we talked about in the last episode, right? Uh, If you haven't listened, quick review, we talked about uh, writing a travel blog. In order for students to be successful in writing a travel blog, it's best if they look at an example of a travel blog uh, before they write one. But it's not enough for just to give them an example of a travel blog, like, hey, look, this is what a travel blog looks like, but rather to to give them a task in order to read the travel blog, in order to become familiar with the content or the format. So very often... Uh, in a writing lesson, students will have the opportunity to practice just reading um, before they actually do the writing uh, by looking at the blog, looking at the, the piece of writing. Uh, mm-hmm. The same applies to a speaking lesson. So in a speaking lesson, the main aim is to practice speaking, but there's got to be some sort of input before the students do the speaking. Like uh, very often we do a demo of the speaking task. Uh, in which students see or hear a demo of the thing that they're going to do later in the lesson. Again, remembering good classroom practices, watching or listening to a demo isn't enough for students to sort of walk away 
with enough information to later perform that task um, in the squeaking lesson. So it's best if we give students a sort of just listening task, right? So like, I'm going to tell you, um, you know, uh, I don't know what the demo is in a, a squeaking lesson, uh, what I think the five items are that I would bring to, a, you know, a deserted island or something like that. And then give the students a reason to listen. So I'd like you to listen to what I'm saying and write down the five items that I mention. Yeah. Um, and that way, they, the squeaking demo is very meaningful. The students walk away with a, you know, a, a better sense of what they should produce later in the lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the takeaway there is really just that, you know, any time you, ha- you give the student something to read or listen to in a lesson, even if it's something as simple as just the demonstration of the speaking task that, that you're doing for them, um, they need to have a task for that. Exactly. <clears throat> it's not enough just to say, here, listen to this, or here, read this, um, or look at this. You know, as Lauren was saying, they really need to have a reason and a focus for that. Yeah. Um, so that just sort of by default is going to be giving them a little bit of receptive skills yeah. practice yeah. Um, in this productive skills lesson, this speaking or writing lesson. Right. And, you know, if you go back and, and look at our um, previous episodes on these individual skills, you'll see it laid out in, in, in a more logical way. But just thinking sort of along the lines of what do we do in real life, right? Mm-hmm. We don't do skills in isolation. So in the classroom, That's we don't good point. often yeah. practice those skills in isolation either. We we listen and speak very often mm-hmm. together, you know. Um, so it, it starts to make sense, like you know, or even in a reading lesson, like oftentimes, it, yeah, I'll be like, oh, you know, like I read this article or a listening lesson. I listened to this podcast, and then I tell my friend about it, right? So like, listening and speaking, reading mm-hmm. and speaking often go together as well in real life. Yep. And if combining the skills seems a bit confusing, like I know maybe if you hear us talk about a productive task at the end of a reading or listening lesson, right, where the students are speaking or they're writing something Mm -hmm. in response to whatever they've read or listened to, um, I know that might be a little confusing. Like, well, then how is that different than just Mm -hmm. what students are doing in a writing or speaking lesson? Um, Good point. I mean, the skill is the same and the way we're handling the skill often can can be very similar. Mm -hmm. The things that we're getting the students to do with their speaking or writing can be very similar um, in a productive skills lesson or whether it's just a productive task and a reading or uh, listening lesson. Um, But the difference is always going to be the focus. Mm -hmm. So whatever the lesson type is, that's going to be what the main focus of the lesson needs to be and where the bulk of the time in the lesson needs to be devoted to. Um, So if it's a if it's a writing lesson, then the whole focus of that lesson is to make students better writers. One little piece of that might be for them to, you know, read an example text mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for which they'll have some sort of task that's going to help them get the main idea of that text. Right. Um, but the main focus is still writing versus in a reading or listening lesson. The main focus is going to be for students to develop their reading or listening comprehension. And then a a piece of that at the end might involve responding to the reading or listening that they did um, with some sort of productive task. Exactly. So hopefully that helps clear it up a little bit. It's it's basically the same thing. It's just the focus is different and the amount Mm -hmm. of time and sort of feature that it's getting in the lesson is going to be different depending on what the lesson type is. Yeah. I mean, I think the same thing applies to if you introduce any language in the lesson, yeah, right? Exactly. Like not it's not a language lesson, it's not a grammar or a vocabulary lesson, but 
if it is appropriate to introduce it in the lesson, just remember that because it's not the main focus, it doesn't take up a bulk of the time. Right. And I just want to clarify when Lauren says language here, um, that can be a bit confusing as well, because obviously this is all language. Like English is the language <laughs> that students are learning. These are So at first glance, it's like, well, these are all language lessons because they're, they're learning English. Um, but language is another term often for systems. So we sometimes swap those out interchangeably. Um, we have the skills that we just talked about, the reading, writing, speaking, listening lessons, and then systems, which grammar, vocabulary, and functional language, which we haven't really talked about yet on this podcast, mm-hmm. but we definitely will coming up pretty soon. Um, those systems are often also called language. So when you hear someone say a language lesson in that sense, they mean most likely vocabulary or a grammar lesson, mm-hmm. where yeah. the main focus of the lesson is for students to improve in one specific you know, grammatical structure right. or to learn these six particular vocabulary words or something like right. that. Um, so yes, if you do bring in language, I think this is worth talking about when we talk about teaching skills, because I think for a lot of teachers, um, there can be a feeling that they don't think it's like a real lesson unless it's a language lesson, like unless mm-hmm. there's some grammar or vocabulary introduced, it seems like it's not a, a real lesson. Um, but that's not the case. Students really need help and focus um, on developing their skills just as much as they do with grammar and vocabulary. Um, So what you want to keep in mind is, you know, if if you are teaching a skills lesson, that really does need to remain the focus of the lesson, whatever particular skill you're working with that day. Um, And you don't want the focus to to suddenly become grammar or vocabulary and have that take up the bulk of your time. Right. Um, language might come in. So for example, in a reading or listening lesson, if you feel like there's blocking vocabulary in the text, so that means you feel like there are words that the students, first of all, won't know, and that they'll need to know in order to do the tasks that you're giving them, the the reading or listening exercises that you're, you're going to have them do with that text. Um, if you feel like there is blocking vocabulary, then you might do a vocabulary pre-teach stage where you create maybe a matching exercise. Um, In advance, you've pulled out the words that you anticipate to be blocking, um, and you let students match the word to the definition, and then you go over them. Um, So again, if you just look at it, what you're actually doing in that stage is not probably going to be a whole lot different than what you would do if you were teaching a vocabulary Mm -hmm, lesson. mm -hmm. Um, You might create some sort of matching task. You would go over the meaning, the form, the pronunciation of those vocabulary words. Um, but again, the difference is the focus and the timing. Yeah. So in a vocabulary lesson, that is your whole thing is helping the students learn those words in a reading or listening lesson. Remember your whole focus is developing students reading or listening skills. And this is just one little piece, one little thing that you're doing to help them with the reading or the listening is trying to remove the obstacles of these unknown words. Um, so that does mean that if you know something happens with your timing, you start running out of time, in a reading or listening lesson, you can cut out that vocab exercise, right? Yeah. Obviously, you would not do that in a vocabulary lesson because <laughs> that's the entire meat of your lesson is teaching those words. Yeah. You also want to show restraint there, right? So Shannon brings up a really good point and a, a really good term for you to keep in mind is blocking vocabulary. So she, like she said, like we want to teach the students the words that would uh, prevent them if they didn't know the meaning of the words would prevent them from being successful in the reading or listening tasks but not every unknown word in the in the text 
um, because we also need to train our, our students to to be independent readers and listeners and and show them that it's okay if we don't understand every word. Right. We still understand the text. Right. And also, too, I, I see a lot of teachers um, when I train uh, kind of jumping at certain <laughs> words that seem to be more challenging. Like occasionally the course books will have an article that's kind of scientific. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. thinking of one that that we've done before um, that's about memory. Mm. And it like goes through the different kinds of memory and, um, you know, what what our memories do with information. And it's pretty technical. It's very interesting. And the students usually find it quite interesting. Um, but it's pretty technical and there's terminology there. However, it's terminology that's not necessarily known to native or proficient speakers either because it's this kind of scientific article about memory. Um, and the whole article is explaining what these different types of memory, what these different terms mean. Yes. So immediately new teachers see this and they think, oh my gosh, I've got to pre-teach all of these words. Um, but the whole point is that the text is is teaching them, right? Like the definitions are in the text because, right. you know, they'll say episodic memory, which is blah, blah, blah. And like they give the definition right. because that's what the whole thing is about. Um, so look at that too. Like if if the definition is given in the text, it's not a blocking word. Right. Um, if it's a word that the students can probably figure out from context, it's not a blocking word. Yep. So you don't need to waste your time worrying about those words, all of those words, because that's going to skew the focus and make it too much about vocab. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, the other time you might have a, a language focus in a skills lesson, if we look at our productive skills lessons, so writing and speaking, um, we talked about this pretty extensively in our how to teach speaking and how to teach writing episodes. And sorry, we're kind of sending you down a rabbit hole of <laughs> previous <laughs> podcast episodes to listen to. But if you haven't, you should really go binge these. Um, the other time a language focus might come in in a speaking or writing lesson is that the students are probably going to need some useful language or at least would benefit from some useful language in their writing or speaking development. So if we go back to our example of having students write a travel blog, um, there are certain phrases that would probably help students kind of upgrade their performance on that task. Um, they could probably write something without it, but that's going to make it even better. Mm -hmm. Again, we don't want this to become a, a whole language lesson where we're spending tons and tons of time teaching them all the phrases and all the grammar and all the things. Um, but, you know, you could pick out maybe four useful phrases that would be helpful that they could sort of input in their own way into their into their text. And spend maybe 10 minutes doing a quick teach of those Correct. before yeah. you get to the, the main productive skills stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that tends to come in at the end of um, productive skills lessons or throughout productive skills lessons, actually, uh, students uh, have the opportunity to experiment with language um, in a speaking or a writing lesson. So it stands to reason that they also might make some errors with that language. Um, so, uh, just be aware of that, have that on your radar in a writing or a speaking lesson that your students, you're asking your students to experiment with language. Um, and so, uh, if they do make errors, what do you want to do with those errors? Um, and uh, trainees have, have asked me, um, before, like, when do I correct the error? Mm -hmm. And it's such a good, good question. First rule of thumb while you're monitoring, walk around with a pen and paper. So you're always prepared to write down 
the the uh, models of of language that you hear, whether or not there are, there are errors or or excellent models of language. Just be prepared, uh, and then you can sort of make your decision whether you want to correct that error on the spot or after they've made the error in what we call delayed error correction. And here's a really great rule of thumb uh, if you're trying to make the decision of whether or not to correct on the spot or delayed. So you're looking at your lesson. You've, you've planned your lesson. You've written your lesson plan. Your lesson plan probably has aims for each of the stages. Um, look at what you want students to be accomplishing during that stage of the lesson. So if the stage of the lesson is focused on accuracy, getting the right answers, for example, then you're going to want to correct the error on the spot because the aim is focused on accuracy. Um, versus if the aim is focused on fluency, like they're in the middle of a writing uh, a, a writing stage or in the middle of a, a speaking task, then the aim is going to be fluency. You're going to want to hold off on correcting the error right then. Write it down. Write down what you hear or what you see and save it. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to interrupt students' fluency work. Fluency doesn't the misconception is that fluency means perfect English, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Fluency means fluid English, right? So that students are speaking or uh, writing to be understood in a way that isn't halting, that in a way that is fluid. And so when, if we were to interrupt them on the spot to correct that error, it could uh, impede their fluency. Yep, that's a really good point. I think it's tempting to think of developing the skill of speaking to mean speaking without any errors yeah um but developing the skill of speaking which is very different from de you know developing students use of certain grammar or vocabulary developing that skill of speaking is about confidence it's about students being able to to speak without stopping right yeah. to speak in these long unbroken sentences even if they're not perfect um it's letting them you know build their ideas express themselves in a way that's coherent even if mm -hmm. it's not perfect um, and so if you think of that as being your goal, if you're stopping the students every 10 seconds to correct something, that is not allowing them to do that. Exactly. So you don't want to be doing that. Right. And so write the errors down. And then once you've got them on a piece of paper, you can look at the ones that you feel are appropriate to correct for, um, for, that, for that lesson or for, for the, that, uh, the level that you feel the students are at. You know, there are sometimes that students make errors um, because, well, you know your students better than we do. So, you know, students right. students might make errors because they're tired. Well, that's a slip. It's not really an error. It's just, you know, it's like when your mom called you your brother or sister's name and, you know, they know you, but they just like, you know. Right. Just the wrong thing. Just it was just the wrong thing. Out. Right. Yeah. It came. So that's a slip versus an error, which is actually genuinely they don't know how to correct themselves or they might need help correcting themselves. Um, you also, you might decide just, to ignore a certain error for a variety of reasons. Perhaps the students are trying to achieve language that is um, above their level. Well, okay, you don't think you don't feel it's appropriate to correct that in this lesson. Fine, but with the le with the errors that you have written down that you have uh, you know you think are appropriate to correct, a really great way to correct errors at the end of a productive skills lesson, so speaking or writing lesson, is to simply write those sentences on the board. Um, there are a couple ways to do it, but uh, I think our, one of our favorite ways is to write like uh, four or five sentences on the board, 
um, and tell the students, all right, I'd like you to look at the board. There are five sentences. Four of them have errors. One of them is correct. Work with your partner and correct the mistakes, correct the errors. Mm-hmm. Right. Find the one that's correct. Yeah. And then for the ones so, that are not, exactly. try to correct. So don't tell them the one that's that's correct because it makes them work a little bit harder to find yeah. the ones with the errors. Yeah. It gives them a really nice task. So yeah. it gets them sort of thinking critically and really examining the sentences. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and then leave them. Let them work in Paris. Do not correct the errors for them. This is their, their uh, chance to focus on language. Um, and see what they come up with. You know, you can mm-hmm. monitor during that that uh, stage as well, and see if they're getting close to uh, what you know uh, what the answer is, what the errors. Um, and then you can say, okay, you know, eyes up here. Let's let's correct these errors together, and then go through the sentences one on one, uh, one by one, to correct the errors. Yeah, and if you haven't tried that kind of student-centered method of error correction, where you actually let the students sit and talk about the sentences in pairs for a moment. Um, I encourage you to try it because it's pretty cool Mm -hmm. the first time because you as the teacher get this great opportunity to just kind of be there and and watch them correct themselves um, and correct each other. So Mm -hmm. you'll you'll have these really good conversations that start happening where they'll say, hmm, no, number three, yeah, I think there's an error there, but I'm not sure what it is. What do you think? And like they really dive into it. Yeah, they do. It's very cool. Yeah. And then you get this really nice insight into kind of where everybody's at in terms of, oh, okay, number four, you know, they could not identify the error in that sentence. We need to review that a bit more um, versus the ones that they could get right away. Like, oh, okay, maybe that was just a slip, you know. Right. And this error, this stage is usually, you know, it's coming in the last several minutes of class. So a couple of things to to remember here. Don't go overboard with your um, explanations of why something is wrong. A simple this is wrong and a quick explanation is fine. Mm-hmm. It's not a grammar lesson. It's right. not a vocabulary lesson. You don't want to turn it into that in the last two minutes of class right. and you and you and you won't have time exactly no, that's another, no. you know that's another good point so really get those you know get them on the board quickly correct them um if the students have further questions about why something is wrong that's a really good indication of something you can teach in a future lesson mm-hmm. um but show a little bit of restraint there because uh, you will run out of time probably fairly quickly Yep. And I know this can be an intimidating part of the lesson for newer teachers. Um, I think, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. So to me, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, throw some errors on the board and (laughs) correct them. them. (laughs) Um, But when I'm training, I sometimes have teachers in training sort of look at me with with wide eyes, like this sort of terrified look. They're like, but what if they ask me why it's wrong? I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not confident in like how I'm going to explain the reasoning Mm -hmm. behind it. Um, and that's, that's totally fair. That takes some practice. Um, remember that you're always in control of what you're putting on your board. So if you hear an error and you think, oh my God, I know that's wrong, but I have no idea how I would explain why. Maybe you don't pick that one that day. Maybe you write it down and then you go home and you do a little research and maybe that could come up in another class. Absolutely. So if that makes you feel a little bit better, I think what I'm trying to say is don't avoid this just because you're a bit nervous about how you might explain things. Yeah. Um, challenge yourself to try it anyway. Yep. And uh, another option at the end of a lesson, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be errors either. You could say like, um, you know, there are three sentences on the board, um, you know, reword them. So for example, there's a lesson I do and the students are sharing their opinions. And so I write, you know, what they've re- mostly said on the board is like, I think we should do this and I think we should do that. 
and you know I, t- I underline I think like well, you know what are two other ways mm-hmm. that you can share your opinion that's really um, nice and so it. it's it's less error correction but more of like a language upgrade is what I like to call it mm-hmm. so if you're afraid of those errors but you still like have some time and you want to there's always something you can do to focus just a little bit on language at the end of a lesson right yeah just make sure you know you're clear that to the students like yes I think is correct it's not wrong um but let's think of a more advanced way or you know a a different way way to say that um so you're still giving them something new yeah and it's it's a it's a real I think feel like it's a really nice way to conclude a lesson you know the students sort of walk away with that sense of uh they had a focus on language that day you know um uh and they don't in writing reading I mean in writing and uh speaking lessons they don't want to make mistakes and feel like they've gotten away with them so that little language focus at the end really helps exactly especially if because the focus is on skills development and not accuracy throughout the lesson um, since they're not getting that error correction you know peppered in as much during the lesson they're still getting that focus at the end on on a little bit of accuracy all right great okay i think that sums it up for our um discussion of the four skills and what those kinds of lessons look like again feel free to go back and um listen to our individual podcast episodes on the different skills if you'd like a really much more in-depth look at what each of those types of lessons looks like um but i think that does it for this week thanks so much for listening we couldn't do it without you Definitely. And if you've been enjoying these episodes, we would really love for you to jump on um, Apple Podcasts and leave us a quick rating or review. Um, We really do check them and we really do get super excited every time we get a new one. So until next time, (laughs) see you later. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. Feel free to leave a comment below if you enjoyed this and let us know what you want to hear about in upcoming episodes. If you know other teachers and travelers, we'd love for you to share this podcast with them too. And tune in this coming Tuesday for our next episode. Until then, you can find us at teflhorizons.com. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.